0: It's Monday, February 3rd, 2020. Day 12 of the impeachment trial of President Donald J. Trump. And this is Impeachment Today. Good morning. I'm Hayes Brown, reporter and editor at BuzzFeed News. And barring something wilder than we've seen in the last three months, it's looking very much like this will be the last week of the impeachment trial and the last week of this show. We can't dwell on that latter part right now, though, because we have a lot to cover from the last few days. So let's get right into it. Friday afternoon was subdued in the Senate as the jurors gathered to hear four hours of debate over whether to allow witnesses and documents to be subpoenaed in the trial. But thanks to Senator Lamar Alexander of Tennessee's announcement from the night before, it was all over but the shouting to quote, uh, hmm. I don't know, somebody? I actually have no idea where that phrase comes from. Not even an absolute bombshell of news on Friday morning could rouse some members of the Senate from their seeming stupor. We learned that former National Security Advisor John Bolton's book basically says, yes, President Donald Trump was using Rudy Giuliani to pressure Ukraine and knew all about it. The New York Times says that in his book, Bolton recalls a meeting in early May. In that meeting, President Trump instructed Bolton to call up then-president-elect Zelensky of Ukraine and tell him to work with Giuliani. Bolton says he never made the call. Giuliani, as we know, would spend the next few months working with other Trump officials to secretly pressure Zelensky into announcing investigations that would help Trump politically. We know this because it was all in the House manager's case. Now, the president's defense has said that Giuliani was just a distraction. Here's what lawyer Jane Raskin, who we mis-ID'd as Jamie Raskin in an earlier episode, apologies to Representative Jamie Raskin, talking about Rudy last Monday.
1: Fact is, in the end, after a two-year siege on the presidency, two inspector general reports, and a $32 million special counsel investigation, turns out Rudy was spot on. Seems to me, if we're keeping score, on who got it right, on allegations of FISA abuse, egregious misconduct at the highest level of the FBI, alleged collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia, and supposed obstruction of justice in connection with the special counsel investigation. The score is Mayor Giuliani, four. Mr. Schiff, zero. But in this trial, in this moment, Mr. Giuliani is just a minor player, that shiny object designed to distract you. Senators, I urge you most respectfully, do not be distracted.
0: Which is very interesting because, according to Bolton, you know who else was in the Oval Office for that early May meeting? Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, Giuliani himself, and wait for it, White House Counsel Pat Cipollone. Yes, the very same Pat Cipollone who has spent the last few weeks leading the President's defense team. Oh, sorry, I just I can't. I cannot. The House managers offered one last plea to not let this trial end without the truth coming out.
2: I want to walk through some of the arguments that you've just heard from the president's counsel. The first uh, were arguments made by Mr. Philbin. Mr. Philbin began by saying the House managers assert that you can't have a trial without witnesses. And he said it's not that simple. Actually, it is. Uh, It is pretty simple. It is pretty simple. In every courthouse, in every state, in every county in the country, where they have trials, they have witnesses. And I think you heard Mr. Philman tie himself into knots as to why this should be the first trial in which witnesses are not necessary. But you know, some things are just as simple as they appear. A trial without witnesses is simply not a trial. You can call it something
0: else, But it's not a trial. That was lead manager Adam Schiff. He also added what, in his view, is at stake if the trial does wrap up with a shrug.
2: Now, you also heard Mr. Philbin argue, and again, this is where we expected we'd be at the end of the proceeding, which is essentially they proved their case. They proved their case. We pretty much all know what's gone on here. We all understand just what this president did. No one really disputes that anymore. So what? So what? It's a version of the Dershowitz defense. So what? The president can do no wrong. The president is the state. If the president believes that corrupt conduct would help him get reelected, if he believes shaking down an ally and withholding military aid, if he believes soliciting foreign interference in our election, whether it be from the Ukrainians or the Russians or the Israeli prime minister or anyone else in any form that it may take, so what? He has a God-given right to abuse his power, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's the Dershowitz principle of constitutional lawlessness. That's that's the end-all argument for them. You don't need to hear witnesses who will prove the president's misconduct because he has a right to be as corrupt as he chooses under our Constitution. And there's nothing you can do about it. God
0: help us if that argument succeeds. But, twas to no avail. The debate ended and the vote came. The final result on the question of if witnesses will be allowed in the trial, surprising nobody at that point, was 49 to 51. All Republican senators save two voted against hearing witnesses or forcing the administration to turn over more documents. We'll talk a little bit more about who voted how and what that means in the next segment. After the vote, the Senate kind of collectively looked at each other like, um having realized that they'd not really accounted for just how the trial would wrap with the witness question decided. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has been driving this train along the railroad tracks to a junction this whole time. And to help seal the deal, the draft he prepared laying out the final days of the trial made sure there'd be no more pesky witness talk. The resolution resolved that once passed, quote, the record in this case shall be closed and no motion to reopen it shall be in order for the duration of these proceedings, end quote. In human talk, we are fucking done here, and I don't care what you find, we're not going to hear it, so please, save your breath. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer offered up four amendments similar to those that he did on the first night of the trial. All four failed. Two that would specifically subpoena John Bolton got the same two Republican votes as the earlier vote on witnesses. And with that, by a vote of 53 in favor and 47 opposed, a straight party-line vote The die was cast and the schedule for the last few days of the trial set. No witnesses and a likely vote on the articles of impeachment on Wednesday. All of which is absolutely baffling, especially considering what happened just hours later. In a midnight court filing, the Department of Justice said that it happens to have just a few emails, only like 111 of them, about the hold on the aid to Ukraine that the administration will not release in full. And of those, according to the White House, in that filing, 24 of them directly contain information about the president's thinking when he held the A to Ukraine. That's 24 emails that the president's defense counsel refused to mention or enter into the record to defend the president. That's 24 emails which would potentially show a concrete motive, which the president's defense said there's no way of knowing. And that is 24 emails that Senate Republicans said unequivocally that they absolutely cannot allow themselves to see. Cool. And now, to quantify the current what-the-fuckery, we have today's reading from our newly repaired Nixometer.
3: Well, I'm not a crook.
0: On our scale is zero, normal day, normal White House, and 10 is President Richard Nixon resigning and flying away Marine One. And this morning, we're at a 5.8. Things are clearer than ever that the Senate GOP wants to get this done without any further delay. And so the race is on to do so before anything else comes out that could complicate matters further. We're less than 72 hours away now from when the clerk of the Senate calls the roll and the vote on removing the president is locked into history. After the break, we're talking about the senators who say Trump definitely effed up here, but is that really a problem? Be right back. Hello.
4: Hello. Hi. Oh my God. I want to come through the screen and hug you. Hey, everybody. Jessica Zor here, also known as Vanessa Abrams on Gossip Girl. I am so excited to share my new podcast with you guys. It's called XOXO, and it's a walk down memory lane all about Gossip Girl. I'll chat with some of the cast, crew, fans of the show. And I'm just so pumped for you guys to go on this journey with me.
0: Hi, I'm Ed Westwick. I played with Chuck Bass. I just can't believe that I did that with my life. Jay, we had like the most amazing time.
4: Listen to XOXO on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Alright, after a lengthy break, it's time once again for this fucking guy. It's where we zoom in on a person, place, or thing that's shaping the impeachment. Today, it's several guys. Those profiles in courage among the Senate GOP, who say the president did the thing he was accused of, but who still plan to vote not guilty later this week. Now, let's be clear. The odds of there being two-thirds of the Senate who were willing to remove the president were always low. But the House managers presented a case that said the president held up nearly $400 million in money that Congress provided to Ukraine to get them to influence the election in his favor. Two Republicans, Mitt Romney and Susan Collins, voted with Democrats in Friday's vote. But in announcing their decision to reject having witnesses called, several Republican senators have all but said, well, yeah, Trump did it, but is that really something we can remove a guy from office over? We start with Florida Senator Marco Rubio. Now, Rubio has been against impeachment from early on, so his vote against witnesses wasn't really a surprise. But in his statement about his decision, he went with saying that even if the House's arguments are true, to remove Trump is to let Putin win, I guess? And so even if everything that the House has alleged is accepted as true, number one, removing the president is not a last resort. We have an election in November, which is a far better and a lot less damaging remedy. Removal also does not have broad support or
1: bipartisan support and removing the president would in my opinion inflict Extraordinary trauma on our nation, which is already deeply divided and polarized Half the country would view his removal as nothing less than a coup d'etat And I ask you what
0: scheme could Vladimir Putin come up with that would divide us more than that removal would So I'm not going to vote in favor of tearing this country apart any further or fueling a raging fire that already threatens our country. Also, I swear to God, we did not put that music under Senator Rubio. That was how it was when he posted on his Twitter account. Next, we turn to Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa. Last we heard from her on this show, she was just wondering aloud how the whole Biden corruption case that the president's defense was making on the Senate floor was playing out in the Democratic primaries. No reason, just wondering. Well, speaking on CNN on Sunday, she explained that she was sure that moving forward, President Trump would know better than to try to get a foreign country to interfere in the election.
4: The president has a lot of latitude to do what he wants to do. Um, again, not what I would have done, but certainly, again, going after corruption, Jake. So you're saying you know, it's not
3: perfect. I get that. But like if, if it's not something. <laughs> maybe
4: not the perfect. If it's
3: not problem. something you would have done, why wouldn't you have done it? Because it was wrong? Because it was inappropriate?
4: I think, uh, generally speaking, going after corruption would be the right thing to do. No, but going up he, after did the it, he did it maybe in the wrong manner.
0: In the wrong manner. Um,
4: but uh, I think he could have done it through different channels. Now, this The argument is that he should have probably gone to the DOJ. He should have worked through those entities, but he chose to go a different route.
0: That comes pretty close to what Senator Lamar Alexander has been saying when explaining his vote against witnesses. In a long statement released Thursday night, Alexander forcefully stated that yes, the Democrats had made their case, but that meant there was no need for further witnesses in his eyes and that he would still vote not guilty, which, what? Here's how he explained himself on Meet the Press. Does it wear on you, though, that one of the, I mean, one of the foundational reasons,
2: uh, ways that the framers wrote the Constitution was almost fear of foreign interference? That's true. So, and here it is. Well, if you hooked up with Ukraine to wage war on the United States, as the first senator from Tennessee did, you could be expelled. But this wasn't that. This this was the kind of... What the president should have done was, if he was upset about Joe Biden and his son and what they were doing in Ukraine, he should have called the attorney general and told him that and let the attorney general handle it the way they always handle cases that involve public figures. And why do you think he didn't do that? Maybe he didn't know to do it. I, okay, I... This has been a rationale that I've heard from a lot of Republicans. Well, boy, he's still new to this. Well, a lot of people come to watch... At what point, though, is he no longer new to this? Well, the the bottom line is not an excuse. He shouldn't have done it. Uh, and 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 I said he shouldn't have done it. And now I think it's up to the American people to say, okay, good economy, lower taxes, conservative judges, behavior that I might not like, call to Ukraine, weigh that
0: against Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and pick a president. For the record, when Ambassador Bill Taylor tried to get Ukraine to use those official channels that Ernst and Alexander were describing, that never happened. Instead, President Zelensky was days away from announcing the investigations the president wanted when the aid was released. And the aid was only released because Congress began investigating. Just, you know, pointing that out. Oh, real quick, going back to Senator Ernst. Later on Sunday, in an interview with Bloomberg News, she had a warning for Democrats in their whole impeachment kick. I think this door of impeachable whatever has been opened. Joe Biden should be very careful what he's asking for, because, you know, we can have a situation where if it should ever be President Biden, then immediately people right the day after he would be elected would be saying, well, we're going to impeach him. And the reason that might be given for such an impeachment? Why, turning his back on corruption in Ukraine of course. And finally, we have Alaskan Senator Lisa Murkowski. For the longest time, she was seen as a near-certain vote in favor of witnesses. Back in October, she even told reporters on the Hill that, quote, you don't hold up foreign aid that we had previously appropriated for a political initiative, period, end quote. But in her announcement on Friday morning, she said that everyone was to blame for her decision not to vote for witnesses at the trial, In particular, she singled out her colleague, Elizabeth Warren, for her question to Chief Justice John Roberts, asking him if his participation in the Senate trial would affect people's view of the court. And there you have it, folks. These are the senators who believe that, yeah, Trump asking Ukraine to investigate his political rivals was bad. Holding up the aid was bad. Removing the president, somehow worse. So good job, guys. And heads up to all future presidents. Here's what you can get away with. Okay, it's time for the latest edition of Trial Watch 2020. It's where we run down what's happening next in the Senate impeachment trial. Today is set to be a bit of an anti-climax, all things considered. According to the final rules resolution passed last Friday, the House managers and the president's lawyers will each have two hours to make their closing arguments. There's not really much left to say that hasn't already been said without the new information that the House managers wanted to pull forward but it'll still be interesting to see how they frame things now that we're going to be ending the trial without a full account of just what happened last year. Given the reported inattentiveness shown during the last debate over witnesses, I somehow doubt that the members of the world's greatest deliberative body will be laser-focused. At least we'll be watching and taking it in for the history of it all. Things kick off at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time, so be sure to tune in for what will likely be the last time you hear from both sides during this extremely abbreviated trial. That concludes Trial Watch 2020. Okay, that's it for today. Tomorrow, we'll have a recap of the closing arguments for you and whatever news breaks in the next 24 hours that will surely throw everything into chaos. I mean... It has to happen at this point. What else can we expect? Thanks to all of you out there who have subscribed to the show. If you're listening for the first time or just haven't gotten around to it, do subscribe to Impeachment Today on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go to hear my disembodied voice. And uh, please, maybe leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you liked about the show and what you loved about the show. And you're going to want to stick around to catch these apparent final episodes where we all figure out how this all ends together.
3: $1000. Now you're winning with the King of Sportsbooks. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington DC and Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire 7 days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
4: When's the last time you took a timeout? I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play and Find Your Unicorn Space, activist on the gender division of labor, attorney, and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're peeling back the layers around why society makes it so easy to guard men's time like it's diamonds and treat women's time like it's infinite, like sand. And so whether you're partnered with or without children or in a career where you want more boundaries, this is a place for you, for people of all family structures. So take this time out with us to learn, get inspired, and most importantly, reclaim your time. Listen to Time Out, a Fair Play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or
3: wherever you get your podcasts. Give us your attention, we need everything you got fast. Waiting on reparations, we be the illest podcast. Tune in every Thursday, politics and wordplay. We fight for the people because they got us in the worst way. From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye. From the left enclave to what the neocons say. Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation. And And break us off with some bread because we waiting waiting on on reparations. reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.